oh my gosh, that is disgusting. Oh, just walk off. No, if you see something right there, are you going to do something about it or are you going to leave it right there? You are a quiet crowd this morning. Hey, I had an invitation to go preach to the Lutherans and I turned it down. So you guys better get into this thing. All right, listen, listen. Let's take it a step further for, you know, maybe the younger crowd. Check it out. Maybe you're looking in the mirror and you see a little booger in your nose right there. What are you going to do? Pick it and flick it. Come on, somebody. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, maybe not. I mean, you know, use a tissue, please. And then wash your hands, you know, 20 seconds. Hallelujah. But check it out. Nobody is going to look in the mirror and see something wrong with their physical appearance and not correct it. A deceived person can look right in to the perfect law that sets you free, the word of God. They can see something and be like, oh yeah, I'm, clearly I'm not doing that. A deceived person, they'll see the truth, but do nothing at all with it. But yeah, I know what the Bible says. I know what it says to do that. Yeah, man, I've known it longer than you've been alive. That's not good enough. And you know, in my life, there's been many times over the years I, I've caught myself maybe not obeying the word. I see somebody make a mistake and think, don't they know the word says this? Then I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. And don't you know (laughs) that the word says this about how you're living right now? So I'll just say this to you. If you want to grow, quit trying to apply scripture to everybody else's life and start working on yours. You are welcome. Listen, start, you know, the medicine doesn't work if I apply it to everybody else. I gotta apply it to myself if I'm ever gonna get any better. I remember one time I, I preached a sermon on love and kindness. It was a real sweet, tender, soft, you know, wonderful sermon. Anyway, this wife came up to me after the service and she said, I am so glad you preached that because my husband really needs to hear about love and kindness. He needed that tonight. And I'm going to be honest, if I may, this woman was the most brutal, torturous woman to be around I've ever seen in my life. She was mean, 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 mean. And I'm sitting there in my mind thinking like, Sister, that was right at you, darling. (laughs) How did you not take any of that, but you instead tried to apply it to your husband? I mean, this lady was, she was really something. And anyway, you know, I, she's no longer at this church and I'm, you know, can I say that, that I'm kind of thankful anyway. So, uh, she moved on, but check it out. Big part of her problem was she would hear a sermon like this and think like, oh man, I know who needs to hear this. I hope they're over there listening right now. And God was trying to change her life. But she was too busy thinking about everybody else. And so I encourage you this morning that in any sermon, man, don't be thinking about how this could best work for somebody else. If I go to the doctor and they give me a prescription, I don't think, oh man, I know who could really use this. Let me go take it down to them. No, I, I apply it to myself. I take the medicine like I'm supposed to take it, and I, and I believe that it's going to help me out to make it through this. But we're talking about growing and getting stronger roots this year so your faith can grow. Let's look at Luke chapter 6. Are you still with me? Luke chapter 6, we're going to look at verses 41 through 42. Luke 6 is a really, really good chapter by the way. But Luke chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 41 through 42. 
And we are talking today about being a doer of God's word. Simply hearing it alone is not going to bring you the victory and the success that you need. So Luke chapter 6, and we're going to look here at verses 41 through 42. And Jesus says, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? somebody listen verse 42 how can you think of saying how can you even think about saying friend let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye you hypocrite first get rid of the log in your own eye then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye Now, notice it doesn't say to never help your friend out with the speck in his eye. It just says, hey, deal with your issues first. There's a time and a place for helping somebody else out and say, hey, man, I see you're struggling. And, you know, the word says that there's a time and a place for that. But if you've got a stinking telephone pole sticking out of your eyeball, don't worry about the toothpick in your brother's eye. You've got bigger things to deal with right now. Amen. And so Jesus was really, really serious about this. And, you know, how, how deceived some people are that are trying to fix everyone else when they're just as messed up and they're in danger of crashing themselves. I heard a story about a man that was driving home from work on the freeway one day and his wife calls in a panic and she, she's all serious. She's like, honey, honey, oh my gosh, I just heard on the news that there's a car going the wrong way down the 15. Be careful, honey, I don't want it to hit you. And he's like... Tell me about it. It's not just one. There's thousands of them. Oh, my gosh. Some of you get that. Some of you just meditate on that. The Lord will give you further revelation later on. Uh, But listen, he was the one going the wrong way. And he thought that everybody else was wrong. Sometimes there's a good chance if everyone else, you know, hey, I'm just saying it could be you. I don't want to jump further into that, but it could be you. You know, I heard a story from Pastor uh, Craig Groeschel. He's in Oklahoma City, but he said, Recently at church, I asked our congregation, How many of you battle with self-deception? Out of the thousands of people, he said, A few people in the crowd raised their hands. And then I asked, How many of you know someone else who is self-deceived? And almost everybody just raised their hands. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, I do. And here's the thing. Listen. We all know somebody else that we think battles with self-deception, but very few people recognize that it's an issue for them too. And in fact, my dad always says it this way. He got it from a pastor in uh, Missouri. But, but she said, deceived people, they don't ever know they are. And so sometimes you can see somebody and they're like, man, oh yeah, yeah I, I, I know. And, and, and they're all wrong, but they're convinced that they are right because a deceived person doesn't see it. I heard Billy Graham tell a story as a really old story about the Rose Bowl game, I think like way, 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 way back a long time ago. He said he was watching the game one time and he saw a man run a 99-yard touchdown in the wrong direction. <laughs> he, he recovered a fumble and ran it 99 yards to the wrong end zone. And he's celebrating and dancing. And everybody else is just like, 
what just happened right here? And Billy Graham said he was the most sincere person you've ever seen in your life. He was sincere, but he was sincerely wrong. And so in our lives, if we're going to grow stronger this year, we have got to be a doer of God's word and not just a hearer of the word. Number two is this. If you're a hearer only, your house will fall. If you are a hearer only, your house will fall. Well, why would you say something like that? Well, let's look at, we're in Luke chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 46 through 49. And I've already used these verses in this sermon series, but this is powerful. We've got to go here again. Luke 6, we're going to start at verse 46. But again, we've got to be doers, all right? So Jesus tells this remarkable story. First of all, he says, So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Wow, what a remarkable statement. Verse 47, I will show you what it's like when someone, number one, comes to me, number two, listens to my teaching, and number three, then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it's well built. Now, just we'll pause for a second here real quick. This person, all right, he did three things. He, he, what did he do? He came to Jesus. He heard the word. He heard the teaching. And number three, he actually did what Jesus said to do. And, and, and what, is the, what was that guy doing when he was doing what Jesus said? He was digging deep. Not shallow, digging deep. What does digging deep consist of? Well, it, it consists of a little bit of effort on my part, but it consists of time. It takes time to dig deep. And so many of you, that's what you're doing this year. I'm so proud. So many of you, I see you off to a really great start this year spiritually. I see it. Just so you know, I do see it. And I see already some of the growth some of you are having. And, and what I know is this, is that you're digging deep right now. And you may not instantly see, you know, oh, well, that's, that's all it took. No, no, it, I mean, it may take a little bit before you start seeing some of these results. Maybe you're already seeing some really quick and maybe, you know, it's taking some time. But what you're doing right now, I know you're reading the word every day. You're praying. You're showing up to church every week. Check it out. You're digging deep and you may not realize it yet. But when a storm comes, then you'll really see the difference that all of this is making right now. You're doing really good, a lot of you. And so, this person, you know, the floodwaters came. A storm did come. Just because you have a good foundation doesn't mean that storms never come. They still come. But here's the thing. The house stands firm because it's well built. Look at verse 49. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. Now, both of these guys here that Jesus talked about, they had a lot in common. They both, number one, came to Jesus. They both, number two, heard the teachings of Jesus. 
But only one guy took it on to step three and did the teachings of Jesus. Well, they're both, again, the story continues, very similar. They both have storms. They both have something real bad happen to them, but only one guy is still standing there when it's all over. The, the other guy, he lost everything, his entire house, symbolic of his life. It all collapsed into a heap of ruins. And so many people, they're spending time focusing on parts of the house that everybody else can see, but that's not as important. I mean, it's wonderful to have really beautiful windows. I love good landscaping. It's awesome to have really good landscaping, but it does no good if the foundation is crummy. And so often, especially in our modern society with social media, we look at somebody and think, how beautiful. Oh my gosh, they've got it all together. Wow, this person, incredible. You're seeing the surface. (laughs) You're seeing the paint on the outside. And it's nice to have a good paint job, but check it out. If the foundation is shallow or non-existent, that whole thing, it's just a matter of time before the whole thing crumbles. It's okay, man. Have a nice roof. Have some nice landscaping. Have some nice paint on the outside. But don't do all of that at the expense of the foundation. I think about my wife's house growing up. Pastor Katie, her mom can attest to this, but this house that she grew up in was built way back in the 1800s. I forget what year, something like the 1840s or something ridiculous. And it's incredible, this house, the original part of it was like this log cabin, and the walls are this super thick, super thick logs. And you look at it, and you're like, this is incredible. This thing has been, I mean, at this point, I guess nearly 200 years now, but over the course of time, I know that this house has seen tornadoes, because we've got a lot of those back in Indiana. It has seen floods. It has seen wind. It has seen blizzards. It has seen hail. It has seen earthquakes. It has seen everything, but it's still standing right there. And it has nothing at all to do with the paint job on the outside. It has nothing at all to do with the grass and the flowers, though they're beautiful. What happened is sometime back in the 1840s, a couple of old pioneers or whatever, they took the time, and I'm sure it took some time back then to mix the the, the concrete, to do whatever. It took some time that they were willing to invest. And here we are nearly 200 years later, and that thing is still standing, and it's not because it never saw trouble, it's because they did it right. And in your life, sometimes someone will be like, well, it's easy for her to say, she must have had it easy. No, 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 don't, no, no. She had it real hard, but she took the time to lay the foundation, and now she's still standing, and to the uneducated, ignorant eye, you would think, oh, she never had any trouble, but no, she had more than you could even imagine. She just took the time to do it right. And you're still standing, and other people, and, and, and you know what comes out of that? The only thing that can come out of that is you can give the glory to God. Amen. You've got to give the glory to God. I think about the, 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 the three Hebrews in the book of Daniel. When they went through the fiery furnace, it says they didn't even smell like smoke and they walked right through the fire. 
And in your life, God has such a way of bringing you through it that you don't even smell like the smoke that tried to consume you. Amen? You don't even look like you've ever been through hell on earth, but you have, but you did it the right way. Amen? And so don't ever mistake the people around you in this church or wherever as saying it's easy for them to say they've never had any real trouble. They've had more trouble than you could ever even know. But they did it the right way. They took the time to dig deep and lay the foundation and storms and blizzards and hurricanes came, but they were ready for it when it came. And the house on the rock stood firm. Somebody should say amen today. Amen. And so I know in our lives, you know, if I was to look for a builder somewhere, one, I don't know, this is totally, this is totally way off. I don't know, this is, this is a curveball, right? This came to my mind. One thing that I've noticed when I've talked to contractors, because over the last few years, personally, I know nothing at all about construction, okay? So let's get that straight right away. I did help my son hang a shelf on his wall yesterday. We were quite proud. It, it was almost level. It was, it was beautiful, beautiful thing. But one thing that I've noticed about, I've had to do housework. We had to do a, if you know that, you know, we did a massive remodel on my house I just bought. My next door neighbors are here. They know my house used to be horrifically ugly. And so we did, you know, a, a massive remodel, man. And the church just going through all this. One thing when I'm talking to a contractor to get bids on a job, if you instantly come in and badmouth every other contractor in town, I know that you stink at your job. Maybe you guys know more about me, but I know contractors that are really good, they don't have to put somebody else down to make them, their work speaks for itself. So I got one of the best guys in Barstow, and I paid a lot extra for this guy. He's incredible, a member of another church, but I love him. He is awesome, and I, I was willing to pay extra because when he came in, he didn't, he didn't, you know, talk about how bad every other contractor is in town. He had his stuff together. He knew that his life and his work could just speak for itself. When I come to another Christian that has to put everybody else down, I know oh man, they don't have it together at all. They're a mess. They're a train wreck. Because when you do have it together, when you really have grown in the Lord, I don't need to put you down to make me look bigger. I've learned that putting somebody else's candle out doesn't make mine shine any brighter. Right? And so... This is just something that I am, maybe someone needed to hear that. Total curveball, total random. But uh, that's, just, that's an absolute fact. And so I'm telling you that if you only hear the word but don't ever do anything about it, your house is going to fall. Now notice something Jesus said in verse 46. He said, why do you even call me Lord if you won't do what I say? And he has almost, a, a, I can almost hear a confused tone in his voice like, I, I don't get it. Why do you always go around calling me Lord but don't do anything I say? Because until you get to the point, you know, maybe you've called on the name of the Lord. You have said the prayer. You received Jesus into your life. So, okay, Jesus is your Savior. That's awesome. That's number one. But just because Jesus is, is your Savior, it doesn't mean you've made him your Lord. You know, we use the phrase, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And for a lot of people, that's the truth. Because when someone's your Lord... You do what they say. You obey them. You honor them. Even if you don't feel like it, you honor them. That's a part of it. But there's a lot of people that they've received Jesus as Savior, but they've never made him Lord. 
And Jesus called them out right here. He's like, why do you even call me Lord if you don't do anything I say? I can almost, you know, maybe I'm adding here, but I can just imagine him being like, can you please stop? It kind of makes me uncomfortable like this. Don't, don't say that, okay? Don't say that. And in our lives, you are not going to see the blessing that God wants you to have if you don't really step into the next realm of growth and really make him your Lord. When he's your Lord, if he says, stop doing that, you're like, okay, I didn't really want to, but I'll stop because I submit to you. If he says, hey, I need you to start doing this over here, you start doing it, even if you don't feel like it, because, hey, he's my Lord, what he says goes. Now, if we were to get really brutally honest, some of us, we are our own Lord. I call the shots. I do what I feel like doing. I do what makes sense to me. That is pride and arrogance on a whole other level. To say, I know the Bible says this, but no, no, no. I feel this. I'm just going to, if you're standing there, I'm just going to stand back like this. Why? Because I've seen houses collapse and it ain't pretty. I don't want to be around for that. And so I'm challenging you today. Again, this may sound so harsh, but this is a part of our growing right now. The growth comes not just when you read the word and hear the word. That is a part of it. But the growth starts coming when we do what the word says. Amen. All right, number three. We better move on here. Come on. All right, number three. There is blessing in obedience. There is blessing in obedience. Do you think the scriptures are telling us to do something just for the fun of it? God was like, no, no, no. I need to have 66 books in this Bible. We need to make some more stuff up so we can fill up some pages. No, no. Every word in there is true for us. And when we obey it, there is blessing in the word of God when we obey it. And so I want to go back to James chapter 1. And we're going to look at verse 25 again. We already looked at this, but I want you to see it again. And so, are you learning anything today from the Bible? Amen. The blessing doesn't just come from the hearing. The blessing really starts kicking in when you get to the doing part of it. And there are a a lot of deceived Christians that have a whole lot of Bible memorized. And I would rather be around a young Christian or a child that may know one or two verses but actually obeys them than somebody that has five books of the Bible completely memorized but doesn't do anything that it says. Deceived people are dangerous. They do crazy things. And then they look at you like you're crazy. James chapter 1 and verse 25. And again, we've read this a little bit earlier. It says, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free what's it say and if you do what it says wow if you do what it says somebody say it with me do what it says and don't forget what you heard check it out then what happens god will bless you for doing it yeah That's exciting. Yes. If you will, amen, if you'll look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, God will 
bless you for doing it. And so when you are a doer of the word, make no mistake about it, God will bless you for doing it. And so, you know, anytime we obey God's word, even if somebody else isn't obeying, you still get, you'll still get blessed because you did your part. And so, you know, I, I've seen so many people, yeah, I know the Bible says to forgive, so I went and did this, and they're still mean to me. Okay, you know, that's on them, but God will bless you for doing your part. My part isn't dependent upon if everybody else is doing their part. My, my, it depends on if I'm doing what the Word of God said to do on my end. I can't control if everyone else is going to obey the Word, but I can control if I'm going to obey the Word. Amen? I want you to look at one verse here, Isaiah 1.19, and then we'll close with one final verse after that. Well, one final passage after that. Uh, Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 19 Amen. Anybody getting anything today? Hallelujah. Isaiah 1 and verse 19. Our job here is to equip God's people for victorious Christian living. And today, man, that is exactly what we're doing. We are sharpening you. We're giving you the word of God best we can. And I believe that for those that will listen, and I'm not stupid, I'm aware, according to the parable of the sower sowing the word, that in any crowd that the word is sown, only a certain percentage actually take it and do something with it. So I, I realize that. But for those today that will listen to this word and obey what the Bible's saying, not what Pastor Dave's saying, what the Bible's saying, you are going to start seeing some incredible growth in your life. So Isaiah 1. And we're going to look here at verse 19. And I'm going to read it in the New King James. It says, If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Amen. And so this, this, uh, you know, this is a, a, an interesting verse right here because a lot of people are willing, but they're just not obedient. So there's people that will hear the word today and be like, yeah, amen, oh yeah, that sounds great. And so they're a hearer, basically. They're, they're like, oh, I'm willing to do that. But they don't actually do it. And then there's this other portion that may be obedient, but willing has to do with your attitude. Like, fine, the Bible says, I'll do it, but I don't want to do it. And, and they'll obey but maybe it's out of fear, like, I don't want God to punish me, or, or I don't want this to happen, so I'll do it, but I want to. Make, that, make no mistake about it. I don't want it, but I will. They're obedient, but they're not willing. They've got a stink attitude. But the scripture tells us right here, if you are willing, and you have the right heart, and obedient, you've got the right actions, you shall eat the good of the land. And what does that mean? Well, hey, it's better than eating the bad of the land. <laughs> Listen, God will bless you. There's blessing in obedience and having the right heart. And in fact, Jesus said in John 14, 15, that if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And so what is the good of the land? I'm going to close out this morning with Deuteronomy chapter 28. And this is really what is referred to as the blessing. Amen. The blessing. So Deuteronomy 28, I'm going to look at verses 1 through 13. All right. 
And this is the blessing that was available to the people of Israel under the Old Covenant for obedience to God's Word. Now, I already know that in our modern times, anytime you read something awesome out of the Old Testament, there's a certain percentage of stooges that will say, well, that's the Old Testament, I don't apply that. Well, we'll crush that in just a sec. I'll get to that, I'll crush that in a minute, but I want to read the blessing first of all, okay? And so, Deuteronomy 28, and man, woo this is the blessing of God for obedience to Him. Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 through 13, and this is beautiful. Now, some of it to your, you know, you got to apply it to maybe your our modern terminology, but it applies to you today if you're an obedient person to God's word. Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 through 13, it says, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. Who wants to be high above? Amen. Verse 2, you will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. And that's why we've been saying for three years, Barstow is a blessed city. Amen. People have laughed. People have said, oh man, that place is a dump. And I've said, shut your mouth. You're going to see it someday. And now the city's getting $3 billion of investment. Come on. It's insane. I've never seen a town like this get the insane bless. That reminds me, I've got an announcement later. Anyway, but, but I've never seen something like this. Would you pardon me? I've got to make a note to myself real quick. All right. Um, you think I'm joking, but I'm not. All right. Okay. So, um, all right. So, yes, your towns and your fields will be blessed when you obey the word of God, man. It's incredible. Verse 4, your children and your crops will be blessed. Who wants your kids to be blessed out of obedience to your obedience to God's word, man? Nothing in this world matters more to me than seeing my kids serve God and seeing them walk in the blessing of God. And it says my crops will be blessed. I don't have any crops, but I do have a job. And so, amen, I want the Lord to bless my job. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. What does that mean? God will bless your food. He will make sure that you've got the food that you need. That's why I'm not freaking out about eggs. That's why I'm not freaking out about bread. That's why I'm not scared of all the doom and gloom, because I walk in the blessing of God today. Amen. Verse 6, wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. Have you ever seen somebody, it's like every job they have, they just excel at. Everywhere they move, maybe the army moves them, the military, wherever they get moved to, they always rise to the top. Why is that? The blessing of God for his obeying his word. 
Verse 7, the Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They'll attack it from one direction, but they will scatter from you in seven. That's called a butt kicking. Amen. Verse 8, the Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. What's the storehouses for us today? We're talking about, hey, you got some savings built up today. Amen. The Lord, your God, will bless you in the land he is giving you. If you obey the commands of the Lord, your God, and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as his holy people as he swore he would do. And if you don't understand the word holy, you'll glaze right over that verse. But holy means set apart. It is not like everything else. And so if you are part of God's holy people, you are in a whole different crowd than the rest of the people in this world. You are set apart. Amen. And that's why when every disaster and calamity has hit over the last few years, most of us did not lose one wink of sleep. Not one. Not one. Why? Because we're God's holy people set apart. Amen. And so, uh, let's see. Man, you got me going. I lost my verse. All right, let's go to verse 10. Then all the nations of the world will see that you are a people claimed by the Lord and they will stand in awe of you. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore to your ancestors to give to you. Don't say prosperity in church. I'm just reading the Bible. If you've got an issue, talk to the man, all right? But I didn't write this. I just read it. I just deliver. I'm the messenger boy, all right? And so the Lord, amen. He will give you prosperity in the land. He swore to give uh, to your ancestors to give you blessing you with many children. How many people have seen the families of this church? Need I say more? Never seen anything like it in my life. We had uh, Laura Cook was here doing the Christmas concert in, in December. And she just kept seeing all of us come down from the nursery or whatever with like a half a dozen kids behind us. And she was like, oh my gosh, look at, where are they all coming? She's like, she, let her, she goes to churches all over the world. She said, I promise you, I have never seen a more productive and fertile church than this one right here. It's like. Hallelujah. Hey, hey, we're a good looking bunch. We can't help it. All right. All right. All right. Get married first. Get married. Okay. And so blessing you with many children, numerous livestock. I don't have a lot of those, but I do have two rabbits and a dog. All right. And abundant crops. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens and will bless all the work you do. You will lend to many nations, but you will never need to borrow from them. Amen. I'm not going to live under a curse having to go to some heathen, wicked person. I'm one of God's children. Could you just give me some crumbs from the table? That's not the will of God. If you listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today, and if you carefully obey them, notice it said it right there, James 1 to 2, it said, if you listen and obey, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you will always be on top and never at the bottom. Someone should say amen today. That is what our lives should look like. And again, for the person, like, yeah, that's the old covenant, brother. That's the law of Moses. Why would you even read that? Well, check it out. 
Galatians 3.13 says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. And so the next 54 verses, if you want to read those, don't do it now, do it on your own time, are very, very ugly. Because there was curses to not obeying the law back then. And Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He didn't redeem me from the blessing. He didn't cancel the blessing for obeying his word. And in fact, write it down. Hebrews 8, 6 says that Jesus Christ has mediated a better covenant with better promises today. Amen. And so if you think like, well, that was for them. Well, if that was just for them, I have a better covenant with better promises because of Jesus. Their covenant was in obedience to the law and shedding the blood of some goat somewhere. My, listen, we, on our covenant, the blood of the perfect, sinless, spotless Lamb of God paid the price for this covenant. Oh, it's better. And it's got better promises. But so much of this all comes back to, are you going to just hear it? Or are you going to do what it says? If you really want to start growing, if you really want to start reaching the promised land that he has for you, it's not going to be good enough anymore to just say, yeah, man, I know more Bible than you know. Okay, do some of it then. You've got to be a doer of the word of God if you want to see the blessing. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and wind down right there today. Praise God. Let's go ahead and stand up together. Amen. I'm going to have Pastor Josh come on up here this morning. And uh, we're going to be receiving communion this morning. It's the first Sunday of the month. And that's uh, that's the day, the, the Sunday morning that we receive communion. We also do it on the third Wednesday night, fifth Sunday night, just in case you were wondering. But anyway, it's communion time. And what a perfect time to receive the Lord's Supper after we just discussed, man, it was his blood that paid the price for an even better covenant with even better promises. And so I'm going to invite all of us to come up and receive the elements today. You don't have to be a member of High Desert Word Center to receive communion with us, but you do need to be a member of the body of Christ. Jesus does need to be your Lord and Savior if you're going to receive communion today. And so I'm going to, before we uh, come up and and do this, uh, it, it would only be fitting if we gave you a chance to really receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And so I'm going to lead us in a prayer together today. And, uh, and, and, and get things right with God, man. And, and, and I always say this, but I don't, I'm trying to not rattle on and on. <laughs> but in the book of 1 Corinthians 11, which is where we usually study communion from, the Apostle Paul cautioned us in receiving communion. He said you need to judge yourself. You need to examine your own life. He said because a lot of people have received communion and have done it in, in a wrong heart. And, 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 and uh, not in the right way. And they've, they've eaten and drinking judgment. And the King James says damnation upon themselves. And, you know, that's, that's not a spot that we want anybody to be in. And so we're going to pray a salvation prayer today. And if you've never done that, this is your chance. And maybe you have, but you kind of walked away from the Lord. Well, again, this is your chance 
to restore the right relationship with Jesus before we receive communion together today. And so I want to pray this prayer together. And I ask that you would pray it and pray it very sincerely with us. Say this with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died and that he rose again. Jesus, forgive me for anything wrong I've done. Give me the strength to live for you. I am a brand new person now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, you can go ahead and form a line and start receiving the elements. I've asked Pastor Josh to lead us in one of my favorite hymns this morning. Amen. I hear the Savior say, and thy strength indeed is small. A child of weakness, watch and pray, find in me thine all in all. And Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow.